Hello and welcome to episode 83 of Behind the Journey. On this show, I talk about the art of creating entrepreneurial staff. Hello and welcome to another episode. Um, this week's been um, quite mellow for me, Frank, with you. No real drama unfolding. Um, getting to a point with one of uh, the deals I've got on the table at the moment where it would actually be the biggest brand we've ever signed. When I say brand, it's not the biggest uh, check or biggest budget we've ever had, but literally the biggest brand. It'd be a household name people would know about. Everyone in the world would pretty much know about them. Definitely everyone in the UK would, would know about them. And that's right on the edge of our seats. And we, we hear back next week if we've got that um, brand signed on board or not. And it's one of those where, look, you have an opportunity with a huge brand. You have two options. You can either say no um, or increase prices. Or you can try and work around the prices they've got and try and squeeze into a small department and then hope for that department grows through. And the whole game plan with this project for this, this brand Let's get in the room, right? If I can get in the room with these people, if I can start creating some form of campaign with them, if I can be doing anything, you know, <laughs> the old adage of if I can just be the doorstop in the room, at least I'm in the room, right? And that's what I'm trying to do with this deal is I could, in theory, do a global marketing campaign from this. However, I'm more than happy right now to be the doorstop in the room and just to be in the room with the people and just be working with some of the biggest and brightest minds uh, in UK marketing. And that's what we're doing with this deal. And hopefully next week, uh, I'll be able to let you know the brand and uh, who we're working with. And it'll be phenomenal. Uh, phenomenal if it pulls off. I've been given a verbal yes. I don't take verbal yeses. I've had way too many verbal yeses let me down. So I always wait to the very, very final note when there's pen on paper that I can happily say that deal's in the bag and we're rocking and rolling so um, that'll be really really nice i've been speaking to quite a lot of the team a lot they're saying pete you're, you're really busy at the moment you're running around like a bit of a headless chicken absolutely true i'm fundamentally running around like a headless chicken at the moment and here's what's happening we are having more inbound inquiries than ever before um even though our biggest lead generation to date has always been speaking events we're still getting more uh, lead generation than ever before and uh, we've definitely increased our, our online marketing spend for ourselves but um, because all of these meetings are Zoom meetings, conversion rate is on its ass. You know, conversion rate is nowhere near where it needs to be. Um, so we're still converting, we're still doing relatively well. But you know, we used to have a, a strike rate of let's say sixty-six percent conversion rate. We're now probably sitting at a 40 percent conversion rate, simply because you have no chance of building a rapport with people when you aren't shaking hands, seeing them, being in the same room, hyping them up, um, and that's where we always have won. So, you know, it's always very, very difficult when it comes to these sort of areas of making sure that you can, you know, get the message across, you know, build that relationship through what's essentially a screen. But having said that, I'd rather that be the case if I'm seeing so many meetings because at the moment I'm being able to put maybe five meetings into a day, whereas before I could literally put in maybe one or two meetings because of travel time. So it is more beneficial in that front. So maybe on the whole it is working better, but it's not very nice to see you know, rejections um, increase, but I think it's just a natural occurrence of us doing anything on video these days. Um, there's not such a strong buying with the client. So there's yeah, loads of opportunity out there, really excited about the current times. Um, and one of the things that, and this is going to sound quite funny, and um, if any of the staff actually listen to these podcasts, so it, they probably don't now we're on episode 80, whatever it is. One of the things that I've always 
said and always wanted to have is an entrepreneurial team, right? And I don't for one second believe that I can get everyone to be entrepreneurial thinking, everyone to be entrepreneurial minded. But I've always believed that the atmosphere, the charisma, the banter, the feeling of entrepreneurship, I, I can bleed some of that out onto the team, right? I can get some of them to uh, change their way of thinking, open their minds slightly more, become more entrepreneurial themselves. And one of our new brands we've been working on that we own is a um, e-commerce brand. And the guys have made it profitable um, in the first four or five weeks, which is amazing. Um, and I've been pissing around with it, from being frank. I haven't really had much of an agenda. I've let them kind of do whatever they wanted to do, let them push forward with it. And, you know, obviously now it's profitable at kind of week five. Um, they're getting kind of quite, you know, on board with it because obviously they feel more like it's more of a, their own project, right? It's not a client project. They can do whatever they want with it. And I'm starting to get an entrepreneurial thinking back from them. I'm starting to get more, we could do this. We could have this outsell. We can change this. We can add this. We can do this. And it's allowing them to have creativity more than they ever had could have before. Because when you have a client account, and I've always said this, you're always restricted to what the client says and says they want and can't want. Well, it's just our own project. We can do whatever we want. We can make those dramatic changes we've always wanted to do. We can make those diversification we've always wanted to do. We can make those ambitious moves that we want to do. Because at the end of the day, we have full control and full say-so. So I've been kind of you know, working with the team on this project, and they've been really enjoying it and, and moving forward and cracking on with it, which is amazing. And then on the back of that, um, more opportunities show themselves, right? More opportunities um, make a difference. More opportunities unfold. And the team start getting more involved with those discussions. They start going, oh, yeah, we should do that. We'd love to do that. We can get involved with that. And they're now seeing opportunities as their own opportunities as well. For example, I was speaking to a friend today about who is a, a distributor for loads and loads of car products. And I've been working with him for, for a long time on my other brands, um, you know, my personal um, audio shop and stuff like that. And he's got some other products in. I said, look, can we make a website for this to sell this? He's like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I have the team looking at building the site, working together. I'd even incentivize it. I'd even recommend it. I'd even tell about it. I just told them I was looking at these products. And they already had created like a full plan that they wanted to do and how they wanted to go about it. And which I thought was really, really entrepreneurial and really, really great thinking. Um so, you know, that's what, when, you, when you've got team buying like that, not only do you know you've got amazing staff, but you also know they've got amazing staff that are going the extra mile. They're trying to push things slightly further forward than everyone else. And that's what I'm living for these days. I mean, a, a good example is we've worked with a, a pharmaceutical client. They, uh, we've done their rebrand website, do their marketing. And um, we get on really well with them. They're really, really nice guys. They're really on our wavelength. Um, young guys making a huge impact. Um, always got a lot of time for that. And I just kind of had a conversation with them and said, look, boys, um, essentially what they do is they make people have their own pharmacies. You know, you want to be a pharmacy or have a pharmacy or sell a product or make a product. You go to these guys, they do all the consultancy to give you the regulations so you can be able to sell those products. So I said, boys, like what products can you get me to sell? And they said, oh, we can get, we can literally get anything. You know, we're, we're, we're fully regulated. We can sell whatever you want. We can sell hair loss. We can sell Viagra. We can sell, you know, anything that a pharmacy can sell, we can do for you. So, so we decided to look into um, two things. First of all, Brad went onto the internet and he bought the domain name hung.co.uk. And we're looking at making a pharmaceutical product around that domain name. The team have jumped on it. They're loving it. They think it's funny. They think it's hilarious. We then also looked at 
maybe making a hair product to stop people from balding and aging, etc. And tomorrow at 11 o'clock, being Friday, we have a full conversation with their regulation team about how we can bring these pharmaceutical products to market as a uh, interesting niche side project. Now, here's where I am with side projects, especially in the e-commerce sense. Obviously, our service business is going really well, got MDs for them, let them do their thing. But what I've been really liking with my e-commerce brands is how it's allowed the staff to think more than ever before. It's allowed them to think bigger. It's allowed them to think more entrepreneurial. It's allowed them to take more risks that they maybe wouldn't take with client accounts. By doing that, we've been winning. By doing that, we've been improving our service offering. We've not only been improving our service offering, but we've also been improving our skill set and knowledge, which has then been helping our own brands. And I believe that one of the things that really let side products down or drop shipping brands down, may I say, is that the markets are never, ever closed off. For example, Chile's water bottle come out, they sell millions of them. All of a sudden, the next day, China is selling water bottles. Five months later, you can buy essentially Chile's water bottles from 25 different brands all across the UK uh, for half the price, right? So all they have left is the brand, which don't get me wrong, is a very, very huge upside, but the product is exactly the same, right? The great thing with pharmacy and regulatory industries like conveyancing, mortgages, financial advice, you name it, is that you are protected by a layer of regulation. Now, it's a nightmare to get over the regulation, but because it's a nightmare to get over the regulation, what it actually means is it stops people getting into the market and it gives you some form of moat. Um, a moat essentially is a competitive advantage. It, it keeps you away from the competition. It keeps you one step ahead. So if I can create brands in areas that have moats or areas that have not huge regulation, but reasonable regulation, it's going to allow the market to never flood. It's going to allow the market to never be undercut. It's going to allow the market not to be beaten by Chinese imports, right? So if this conversation goes well tomorrow with these farmer boys and we can start creating and selling high quality, high branded, really meaningful pharmaceutical um, products, which have a moat, then we could be in a really unique and interesting position where we can bring high level branding, high level marketing, to what is quite a boring industry. I mean, you, you show me a beautiful looking, innovative marketing, pharmaceutical uh, distribution company. There's not many. There's a few, a few have popped up in recent times, right? But there's not many. And um, so that's what we're looking at, at the moment. Um, and if you get distrib- distribution in mind, regulation in mind, and which the marketing guys, that'd be very, very interesting to look at. And something that I, uh, I definitely believe is a, is a good move. Some of you have been uh, mentioning um, about, you know, opportunities that you're coming across. Some people have been showing me some different opportunities they've, they've, they've got in front of themselves. And I, I say this, always, always be open to opportunities, but don't always say yes. And that's the thing that I've really been focusing on over the last six to 12 months is I've never had more opportunities than ever before. And being the guy that's going to have nine companies that hopefully will be profitable at the time, by January... You know, for me, that's a huge deal. Is that I, I have grown so so fast with kind of our operations and our and our group, and it all can fade away if I take the wrong opportunities. So, have be open to opportunities, right? Always be open to opportunities, but have a very very key checklist to what those opportunities are. For example, is there a regulatory moat? Number one, 
for me. This, uh, this is my list. Is the regulatory moat? Two, is the market old and traditional? And three, can I make an impact? And if I don't tick those three boxes, uh, I probably won't go for it. So, you know, to, to tick some of the offs, conveyancing. Is the regulatory moat? Yes. Is it a traditional industry? Yes. Can I make an impact? Absolutely. Mortgages. Is there, is there a regulatory market? Yes. Is it a traditional sector? Yes. Can I make an impact? Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's kind of my um, investment analysis in my head. And anything that doesn't fit with that, at the moment, I'm saying no. Um, so I've had a few of you guys send uh, in things across to me, and I've been flank with you. I've been like, no, it's not for me. And it's not for me because I don't think it's not because I don't think the idea is good. It's never that. It's just that I think that I've got so much on at the moment in terms of my own projects and my own investment guidelines that that's the way I play it. You know, that's the way I play it, and I'm very, very restricted in that because if I said yes every time, you know, I wouldn't be saying I've got nine businesses, ten businesses in January. I'd be saying I've got 100, 200, 300, and I'm getting out of control. I need some more sleep. You know, so. Yeah, that, that I'd say always have to be open to opportunities, but, but but have your kind of key guidelines in place that stop you from being a fool, a busy fool that makes no money. And we get that straight, you know, that I did that very much when I was younger, when I was like kind of 16, 17, starting out in this world of business. You know, I would constantly say yes to opportunities. I'd constantly be looking for new opportunities. I'd be constantly starting new businesses. Um, but I didn't have this set guidance, guideline in place. So I would start things that would make, make no money and, you know, would just become a burden. And then you have to close them down. And no one wants to close down a business, right, ever. No one wants to do that stuff. So just some tips there for me. This whole thing with the working from home, not working from home, working from home thing that's going on right now and we've been told now to work from home where you can. Um, I'm not going to be working from home where I can because I truly believe that mental health is the um, the biggest thing no one's thinking about right now. And I believe that I believe in keeping my office open and allowing it to be an option for staff. And if they want to work here because their mental health isn't going to be brilliant while they're sat at home or they don't believe they can do a good enough job when they're at home, they're welcome to come to our office and abide by COVID guidelines and be able to be open and, and transparent with people. Um, I had lots of friends that three months into lockdown were messaging me saying, look, Pete, my mental health is all over the place. Help me, can I have a call? Can I have some support? Uh, and I'm very concerned that if we go out to the same direction we're going into in winter, uh, we're going to see a huge, huge peak in mental health crisis. And I don't want to see that in any of my friends or any of my staff. So uh, I will be keeping this office open. It is... Um, open to whatever they believe is right for them as an individual. No one is forced to work here. They can work wherever they want. They can work at home. They can work in the coffee shop. They can work here. It's completely up to them. Um, and if they believe that it's best for their mental health and best for their job to come and work in an office, absolutely they can do that. If they think it's better for their health and their mental well-being to work at home, they can do the same thing as well. It's completely open to everyone else. They can do whatever they want. And I think that during this COVID um, chaos, uh, which it absolutely is right now, we're forgetting that other diseases and other illnesses do exist. Um, and I'm just very, very aware about the team, about making sure they're safe, happy, and um, able to make a real impact and real difference. So I don't know what you guys think about that. Um, I'm not I'm not, look, I'm not. not sitting here and saying I'm not going to follow the rules. I'll absolutely follow the rules. I'll do exactly what the government guidelines says and whatever the, uh, the advisors are saying because they always know better than me. Um, but I just believe that you know, when you've got eight, when you've got when you've got employees that are between age of twenty and thirty, they're probably working in a, a shared house or a small house or a small flat, probably maybe with no garden as well. And because of that, you know, um, things like mental health and um, 
emotional well-being, it needs to become the forefront of attention, right? I mean, especially in our demographic, millennials and Gen Z, you know, mental health is the, is, the, is a predominant killer, right? And so I'm very, very aware of that. Um, and I think, you know, if we do go into another lockdown, take care of yourself, guys, you know, make sure you're doing regular exercise, make sure you're, you're running, make sure you're um, trying to push forward um, because it's very, very easy to go into the lockdowns as it was the first time around close that door and watch TV, get takeaway, do no exercise and um, become an emotional wreck in three months' time. Um, as many as you know, I, you know, I quit drinking for like 12 months, 13 months, maybe 14 months. And as soon as the lockdown started, I, I, you know, I, I started drinking again and it wasn't drinking to an excessive degree, but I'd have like the old glass of wine. And my, my, my clarity, it, it didn't, didn't shoot down, right? But it definitely got worse. Like my, my sharpness definitely wasn't there. Um, and it was crazy to see the real impact that it actually has. You know, when you're black and white on these things, when it goes from being sober for 13, 14 months to having a glass of wine every few nights, you know, the, the blur that it creates is real, man. I mean, I've said to a lot of people, you know, if you're really struggling with mental health issues or, or clarity or drive or determination, Quit alcohol, man. It's, it's, a, it's a cure. It's a cure to many things. And Sean Spooner, I've mentioned a few times on this podcast, you know, he's, he's over a thousand days now without alcohol. He swears by it. He says he's a different person, different person without it. So um, I recommend, you know, during this next thing, this next lockdown, which will probably happen now, and it can be a lockdown within the next eight weeks, probably more like four weeks, you know, as us youngers get the blame <laughs> yet again um, for just being young. But hey ho, we've uh, we always got the blame for most things. Um, anyway, without uh, moaning on too much, um, I've decided. To, I don't know if you, you guys follow me on YouTube. Uh, if you don't, please go across and just search my name, Peter Watson, and uh, follow me on. Subscribe to my YouTube. I'm bringing out more content on that. Though. You'd have seen I've got done two pieces of content in the last two or three days. Um, it's about relevant topics that are currently happening within the space. And one of the things that I've really noticed about over the last six months is because there's so much COVID chaos, so much going on, so much noise in the space. We're missing some incredible stories in the business world. You know, we're missing some absolutely phenomenal uh, success stories for businesses. We're missing some absolutely amazing campaigns. But at the same time, we're also missing a lot of the sad stories, a lot of things we can learn from. The fact that three quarters of Premier Inn's staff right now are on furlough. No one knew that. 27,000 staff. We're calling it on furlough, and furlough ends on the 31st of October. So, you know, all this stuff that I, th I believe we need to know as entrepreneurs, especially UK entrepreneurs, there's a lot of news and articles about, you know, American entrepreneurship or uh, entrepreneurship around the globe. But I think we need to know more about what's happening in the UK, right? More than what's happening uh, over here in the UK so we can become better entrepreneurs. And that's what I've decided to do, you know, create a channel that is now going to be discussing real business news. You'll hear my opinion on things. You'll hear my thought process on things. But I want it to almost be perceived as a curated piece of content. Content that is pulled from across the UK, business-related news that I'll be providing for you on YouTube every few days. And as we start getting to some more element of normality, and I get over the heavy workload that's currently right at the front of my desk right now, it's absolutely crazy. Uh, I'll be building in more of a um, a system and a sequence of events. Now, what I want to do basically, and I said to some of the team here, is I'm going to start flinging these bits of content out. And if I see that people are liking them and enjoying them, then obviously I'll keep doing more. 
I'm really trying to find a rhythm. I don't know if you guys have noticed this on my YouTube. I'm trying to find a rhythm that people actually like. Um, now, you know, for me, everything I do with this form of content is completely selfish. Uh, I would love you guys to get value from it, but I'm going to keep doing it if I have zero listeners, zero viewers, zero people who care, because I really believe that my long-term plan, my long-term way of thinking this stuff just makes sense. Whether it's me unfolding my mind on a microphone, whether it's me looking back over the next 20 years, whether it's that kid that's 16 in 40 years time and he can see that, you know, getting a low view count doesn't mean you aren't successful and you can still make it. I'm happy to do that. Yeah, I'm really, really happy to do that. So I'll keep plugging away with the content as always, but I'm trying to find a nice rhythm, you know, something that just works. Um, so I'm going to try this new strategy, see if people like it, see if people care. If they don't, that's fine. Uh, and when when, or if I want to change this, change what content I do, I'll do that. But like I said, um, it's very, very selfish, very much on me. And I don't really mind too much if I'm being completely frank. And I think that's one of the biggest issues many people have within the business space, especially my age and you guys age listening to this, is that too many people care about external metrics Um and the moment you remove yourself from those metrics and you remove yourself from the external factors that are there to give you a fake sense of happiness is when you can really make it a real impact. And, you know, I, I've genuinely never been happier in business. It's an absolute battleground right now. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a bloodbath out there. And uh, I'm just very, very proud, very, very happy to be doing okay through it, you know, doing okay during these difficult times and trying to push on and trying to make an impact and trying to do do right by clients, staff, people, the world to be frank um and i really really hope um that over the next coming coming months i can demonstrate to you guys what's really been happening uh, and what's what's really been working but um thank you so much for listening as always thank you for listening to my brain dumps i hope you get some value from them please like i said go across to youtube show me some love over there uh, leave a little like and a comment um i just want to know um we get basically, long story short, we get loads more listeners than we do YouTube um, subscribers. So it'd be nice for some of you guys to go over there, give it some love, give it some support, um, and it means a lot. So as always, thank you so much for listening. I'll speak to you guys next week.